Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. And hello, welcome in. Tuesday edition of the program. How about the IU women last night? Grace Berger, Sacred Heart product from over in Louisville, the game-winning basket. IU wins a thriller. I thought Princeton really good. They upset Kentucky. I had kind of already had my sight set on an IU-Kentucky showdown to get to the Sweet 16 at Assembly Hall. That didn't work out because of Princeton's upset, but this Princeton team is good, and they uh, they took the Hoosiers down to the wire on their home court last night, but a great game for IU. Now, uh, with their reward for going to the Sweet 16, they get number two seeded, not number one seeded, but number two seeded Connecticut, who's been to the Sweet 16 now for like 800 years in a row. So a tough challenge coming up for IU, a winnable challenge, I think, but boy, that side of the bracket that they're in uh, as far as women's college basketball goes is really loaded. But that was fun last night. Uh, Obviously, we're following Providence here this week as they get ready for a 2A state championship game. Big battle coming up on Saturday for the Pioneers. They take on a really good Central Noble team. We'll talk more about that coming up today as well. And don't forget, we'll be live in Indianapolis. We'll have the game for you. Uh, scheduled to start around 12.45, and we'll be on the air about 12.15 from Indianapolis on Saturday morning. So if you can't make it to Indy and you're going to be out and about on Saturday, we've got you covered uh, as we have almost every step through this tournament run for Providence. We'll be uh, there at Gainbridge Fieldhouse for the second time and really a month after we were there uh, with the Silver Creek girls uh, when they uh, unfortunately did not win but uh, had a lot of teams uh, heading to or that have been played at the uh, uh, Fieldhouse uh, under a number of different names uh, here over the last few years, but a number of different teams locally that have made it Providence the latest to do so. Let's take a look at the show lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one, Greg Mingeld of HoosierHillsHoops.com is with me, and we're going to talk about this Providence State Championship game coming up and uh, go through some big moments on Saturday. Obviously, Max Beatty's three was huge. His overall performance was big. Grant Siebold was big for Providence. Uh, and it wasn't the best-played Providence game, so we'll talk about that coming up uh, here in a bit. Also, some other local basketball notes as well with Greg when he joins us. Later in the hour, Mike Schumann of the Daily Hoosier joins. We'll talk about the IU women's game last night, uh, what their path ahead looks like. Obviously, I mentioned the next game, uh, UConn is going to be a big challenge for IU, but this team's playing well and uh, survived a scare last night against Princeton. 
we'll see if they can find a way to move on to the Elite Eight, which is where they got last year. Uh, but a tough road ahead for them. And uh, later in the show, Mike Pegram, Peaks.com, he'll be with us. And we, so many off-season things to talk about with this IU roster. Uh, no real movement yet, no real rumors yet, nothing like that specifically. But uh, who's coming back, who's going, Trace Jackson Davis, things to work on in the off-season, recruiting is picking up. I feel like every time I open my phone up and, and pull up Twitter, uh, someone uh, with some connection locally to our state, to a school in our state, to a Big Ten conference team, someone uh, is uh, in the transfer portal or has entered the transfer portal. So and that's only going to pick up. I think we're on our way early on already to another record-setting year as far as activity in the portal goes. That's the show lineup for this Tuesday edition of the program. Uh, the lineup brought to you by Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go. And curbside service still available as well at Honey Baked Tam in New Albany. And the Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Don't forget, Thornton's is the perfect stop for all the best pick-me-up items you need to get your day started, like their fresh coffee and delicious donuts. And uh, with me right now, speaking of Thornton's, Greg's got his uh, his big Thornton's cup. But what, what's in the cup, Greg? Diet Dr. Pepper, okay. as always. All right, there you go from Thornton's, by the way. Uh, Greg, great to have you to talk basketball here in March. Our conversations continue every Tuesday. Providence basketball, the storyline of our local scene. Uh, the Pioneers coming together at the right time. I don't think they played their best game on Saturday, though, against a very good Eastern Hancock team. But I'll start with this. Uh, Providence has another big challenge on their hands. The more I read about uh, the Essigan boy, I believe I'm pronouncing it right. I talked with his coach on Sunday a little bit, but uh, Essigan is really good. He's headed to Wisconsin. Uh, They are a very methodical playing team, similar to Providence. And uh, I am geared up and ready for what could be a great battle and maybe even a low-scoring affair in the 2A state championship contest. Yeah, both teams give up about 43 points a game. to be to be honest, I think that's the kind of game Providence would like to like to play. I've seen them um, uh, probably more than any other team this year, and uh, yeah, they they're really good in those low scoring, tough, hard nosed type games. Um, that's what they've specialized in for the better part of a decade now. They're really good at it, and so uh, yeah, you talked about how good Central Noble is. Uh, similar kind of thing uh, where they really. Uh, pride themselves on their defense. Uh, the difference is Central Noble, um, the offense goes through one guy. Uh, he entered the uh, top 10 in the history of Indiana in scoring last weekend. So that kind of tells you what kind of player he is. Um, while Providence, you know, that Kalen is capable of being that kind of player, but every week it seems like it's somebody else. And again, that's another kind of identity for Providence is. It's rarely one guy is going to take over a game. It's going to be by committee, by team, doing it the right way. And uh, obviously, this is a team, I, like I said, I saw a few times this year, I never thought they were a state championship contender type team. Obviously, at the end of the year when they weren't ranked, I thought that was ridiculous. <laughs> and clearly, that's the case. Uh, but I did not think they were um, this kind of team. In fact, uh, I've picked them to lose to Linton. I picked them to lose to Eastern Hancock, and I'll probably pick them to lose this week. And if I'm ever biased, it's usually toward our teams. 
that kind of tells you how special this run has been, that they're beating teams that I think most people would have picked them to lose. And that's the sign of a good coach and a good team, a senior-dominated team that's just really ready to go at the right time of the year. And here they are with a chance to, to win a state championship. It's been amazing how many teams, like you said earlier, we've had in the last decade uh, – play in Indianapolis for a state championship, both boys and girls. Yeah, absolutely. And I've said this last week with Ryan Miller when he was with us, um, and I'll say it again to you, but if I'm Central Noble, uh, I don't care what kind of Big Ten player I've got, uh, Providence is a hard team to prepare for. Uh, the way they play, the way they defend, those are hard things to understand on film. Uh, and I think everyone has an understanding of who's who on the roster, but this past weekend underscored how dangerous they can be because who would have ever thought Grant Seabold would hit three threes and be three of three from the three-point line. Max Beatty has been a very solid player, a leader for this team, but here in the tournament he hasn't had outbursts like what we saw on Saturday. You go back to the regional round and think of Casey Kalen and what he did. So there are so many different weapons. You think Kalen may be the guy, and he typically is, but others are very capable of stepping up as well. And if I'm a coach preparing to, to take on Coach Miller and the Pioneers, there's a number of things that I think are very difficult about this team to figure out. Yeah, Kalen obviously didn't have his best game on Saturday, and and they came through anyway. Again, it's I think it's the kind of team that just is going to find a way. It's a um, uh, very fundamentally sound kind of team, tough. They're smart. I think that's one of the keys is they're a smart team. They understand what a good shot is. They understand uh, what their assignments are. And, again, um, coming into this year, I had no idea – I think most people had no idea if uh, Ryan Miller was a great coach or not. Um, it was pretty obvious he was a pretty good coach, but uh, I think this year he's shown that he's he's up there. I mean, this the job he's done this year. It's hard to overstate how good of a job he's done. With again, when you, when you go to a Providence game and you watch him, you don't look at a team and say, "Hey, that's a state champion. That's a state finals team." Um, just watching them play for a little while, and then you watch the whole game and you realize. They're a lot better than they kind of appear to be. and um, Again, I think they they have a chance on Saturday. I, I, again, they're not going to be the favorites or anything like that, but they got a chance to win that game, especially with their style. I think it matches up pretty well um, with Central Noble and the things that they do. Now, Central Noble has had some 80-point games, and they're capable of doing that. And, uh, but like Providence, they've kind of found ways to win games. Uh they beat Eastside in the tournament, a team that beat them in the regular season. They beat Blackhawk, the two-time defending state champions. And, and again, last week, they, like Providence, didn't play very well offensively most of the game and and uh, just kind of found a way to win it. At, and having a nice go-to guy like uh, Asigian, is, uh, that's, um, that's a big uh, deal for them. Central Noble 28 and 2 heading into the state championship game. You mentioned one of their losses was East Side. They uh, lost to him, played him three times, lost to him once in the regular season, beat him once in a in season tournament, beat him once in the tournament, the postseason as well to avenge that regular season loss. Providence coming in to the state championship game 20 and 6, and it's really been on a roll here since the middle part of February. You know, you go back really to that uh, loss against Rock Creek in late January. I was looking at this the other day, and since that point, Providence seemed to really put it into another gear. Uh, they lost to Rock Creek. They barely beat a solid Christian Academy team, 
And from that point forward, outside of a, a good loss in overtime to a really good North Harrison team uh, and a loss to Brownstown on the road, this team has, has really been on a roll, and it's easy to see how they've been able to gel here in the postseason. Yeah, that was um, it was kind of a curious stretch there where they lost to Rock Creek and then barely beat Christian Academy, and you started to wonder if maybe they're not as good. I think they dropped down to maybe ninth in our power pull even, um, which was probably a mistake on my part. But And then the North Harrison game, man, they played really well, and that was another one of those games where they just kind of um, – played their style and it's North Harrison style too. It again, that's probably a really good comparison uh having McIntosh at North Harrison where they have a star player that plays a slow pace, um not not slow pace but slower. Um yeah, I think the North Harrison's kind of a good comparison with Central Noble and um they were right there and actually were leading uh, until the ball went up at the buzzer. So, um yeah, that I think that one's a good sign. All right, Greg Mingelt, he writes about basketball for HoosierHillsHoops.com and joins us Tuesday here on the radio show. Um, March Madness in full effect. We talk each week about all the locals. We're tracking uh, graduates of the area, alumni of our local programs that have made everybody so proud. Uh, one of those programs that uh, we thought might have a chance to win their respective national championship with Sean East and Kobe Barnes, a New Albany and Floyd Central tag team playing for John A. Logan in Illinois. And in their opening game of the 16, I'm not sure exactly what it's called, Aaron Hutchinson, Kansas, but loaded with talent, lots of the best junior college teams in the country there, a lot of college coaches that maybe don't have their D1 program in the big dance themselves. They're recruiting for the future, just an awesome environment. Uh, but uh, Logan and Sean East and Kobe Barnes, they they were upset. That really surprised me. Yeah, um, really, though, great season for both those guys and um, I don't. I think they've both proven that they belong at the Division One level, especially Sean East. What more does he need to do to prove that he's capable of being a starter at a big time program? And I think next year, when uh, the NCAA tournament comes around, there's a really good chance we're going to see one of one of those guys in a uh, playing in an NCAA tournament game. All right, I, I get asked this so much, and I know you do as well. If I had a a dime for every time somebody asked me what in the world is going on with Romeo Langford. At San Antonio, I would have a lot more money in my pocket right now. Uh, he he showed up. He didn't play. He had some sort of minor injury. Then all of a sudden, he was able to play. He got some minutes. He played a pretty good, I think it was one game. And then from that point forward, I've kind of lost track. I'm not sure that he's entered a game. He has not, and uh, I have no idea. Not a lot of reports on it. It seems like maybe he was a throw-in in the trade and they had no interest in him. I, I have no idea what's going on with it. The one game he played, he played pretty well. Uh, he's still young. I don't – I scratching my head. I have no idea. Yeah, strange stuff. You know, I followed Boston, and they seem to be a lot easier to follow than right. San Antonio. I know it's, I guess, closer to us. Um and maybe Boston's more of a storied franchise that generally gets better media and television coverage. I'm not exactly sure, but with the league pass now mm -hmm. and Twitter and social media, you know, it's not, it's not that hard to follow any sports team, especially at the professional level. Um, and as I, I look for stuff on Romeo and the Spurs, you know, the Celtics every day, I, I would you look for it for this show. 
every day, multiple times a day, they would tweet their injured list presented by some company. It was a sponsorship. And Romeo was on the doggone things so much that he kept the sponsorship going probably, (laughs) unfortunately. But, you know, the Spurs, you you look for him. There's no real updates, at least publicly, that I see on a consistent basis about uh, their injured list. So it's hard to know. You know, the Celtics would tell you he's out, he's probable, he's questionable, and they would put in parentheses some sort of general – terms non-COVID Ill- illness or uh, you know uh, a groin or whatever it was that he's the the numerous things he dealt with but it's amazing you we get nothing like that even on the media side that mm-hmm. I've been able to locate for the for the Spurs you know the Spurs are famously uh, closed-lipped I think it comes from their head coach who is uh, not a big fan of uh, media attention even though it's a very important thing for a professional basketball team so um, yeah it's I think when he first was there, they were kind of putting him in the injury report, and and uh, now you just hardly see anything. There's, you know, you do a search for Romeo Langford, and the media there doesn't isn't asking the questions. I guess he's a non-issue there, and uh, we'll see what happens in the off season because uh, it doesn't look like they're going to make the playoffs, the Spurs, and or they're going to sneak into the what is it a play-in kind of situation. Um, doesn't look like he's part of the plans, does it? No, it doesn't. Very confusing. I, I thought on the surface uh, when he was traded that that would definitely open up more possibilities and it would be up to him to capitalize on uh, those possibilities. But it, you know, whether he's injured, whether he's just not getting a lot of time, uh, we, we really don't know the story. And I haven't been able to make a really good connection in San Antonio. I had a couple Boston guys that I knew previously that would keep us posted and come on the show. And so uh, we'll work on that. But uh, definitely some head-scratching weeks here for Romeo. And I'm sure probably for himself as well as he is uh, down there in the Western Conference now. Greg Mingelt to HoosierHillsHoops.com is my guest. Greg, uh, as we get out of here, you're a Boilermaker fan. And you're on an IU show, so that's always fun. But I do think Purdue has an opportunity ahead of them here, a big one, to get to the Final Four. And I'm not so sure that they couldn't win it. I've I've said that all year long. Uh, Your thoughts on Matt Painter, Purdue, uh, what you've seen in the tournament so far, and what you think they could do moving forward? And and is your bracket busted at all? Mine's shred to pieces. Well, I'm a Purdue fan, so I kind of expect them to lose this weekend like they have so many times in the past. But uh, it sure looks like they have a good uh, path ahead of them. And, um, it's a good team, and and when they're playing their best, I think they're as good as anybody, and I think they have a chance to win it all. But this weekend, uh, we're expected to have to go through Kentucky and Indiana to get to the Final Four, and neither one of them are going to show up. So they'll have to just beat, up, beat who they're going to uh, – who's in front of them. Absolutely. Greg Mingelt, HoosierHillsHoops.com. My guest, you can read his work at the HoosierHillsHoops.com website. And uh, Greg, we'll talk with you next week. Maybe, just maybe, we'll have a uh, state championship performance from the Pioneers to talk about. All right. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Brad. We'll head to a commercial break. We're going to get into the IU women and their big game last night, a win at home over Princeton in the NCAA tournament. We'll talk about the path ahead, and we'll get into some IU men's basketball stuff as well the rest of the way. Stay with us. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.
We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back here on this Tuesday program. Mike Schumann of the Daily Hoosier is my guest, and I know we've got plenty of IU men's basketball stuff to talk about, but it's hard to not give the ladies some love, especially after a thrilling win at Assembly Hall last night. Grace Berger, who's got a lot of connections here to Southern Indiana with family, uh, she was the hero of the evening for IU. And, Mike, uh, I think you were at the game. I know you had great coverage of the game on your Daily Hoosier website. But uh, first and foremost, what an environment I understand it was uh, at Assembly Hall last night for a women's basketball postseason game. First time that the women have ever, the way that tournament structured, ever got the opportunity to host. Yeah, it was the first time, and the, the fans certainly showed out, especially in the second game. I think it ended up being the third most attended IU women's basketball game at, at Assembly Hall. So great, great job by the fans there of showing up and supporting the team. And I, I think based on the response of the players after the game, they, they recognize that, that the fans may have been what it took to kind of will that team over the top because that was a really, really impressive Princeton squad. And just had a texter on the uh, Thornton's text line uh, say, hey, don't forget Grace Berger's mother attended New Albany High School. So, again, a lot of family connections for her, even though she went to school and lived uh, in Louisville, went to school at Sacred Heart, won a state championship there. Mike Schumann is my guest. Mike, um, I don't follow women's college basketball outside of IU and the Big Ten a, a little bit. I do pay a little bit of attention to UofL as well, uh, right across the river and always very successful as they continue on in the NCAA tournament as well. But uh, it seems to me like this bracket, this region, I think it's the Bridgeport region that the IU women are in, is a really tough one. IU taking on number two-seeded UConn. I think uh, the one seed in that region still alive is North Carolina State. And uh, I think some people think that, uh, that that's a rough go of it. And to see UConn in that region so close to their to their home and, and their campus and to be a two-seed, kind of some surprises there that's going to make it extra tough for not just Indiana, but whoever's going to have a chance in addition to UConn to come out of that side. Yeah, I think that's the main thing. I think UConn, um, even being a number two seed, is debatable. They, they had some injury issues and um, could have very well ended up as a number one. That that was a tough call for the committee. But the, the real question is, should UConn as a two be playing in Bridgeport, Connecticut? I, I think the answer to that is clearly no. Uh, the, the, the team with the biggest gripe about that is NC State, who is the number one and should never have to play a you know a national or a regional final on the home court in the number two seat, or not not technically the home court, but it's in in Connecticut. It's like an hour away from UConn's campus. It would be a home game for, for UConn um, should should they advance past Indiana. I, I just think the committee just completely screwed that one up. They're, they were asked about it, and their explanation is they tried to pair up the 
the overall number one seed with the worst number two seed and then so on. And that just happened to place UConn in their home state. But, but you, you have to fix that. You have to recognize that the, the home court for UConn is much more meaningful than, than any kind of little nuances or, you know, hard to measure differences between the two seeds and, and they didn't do it. So it leaves you wondering, you know, why, why they didn't fix it. Was it uh you know, to create a, a better environment for those games or, or whatever the case may be. Um, but again, NC State's the, the real team with the beef there. Indiana is just the team that has to deal with new co- UConn in, in that scenario first. And so it's going to be a really tough atmosphere, a really tough matchup for Indiana. But, you know, they, they were in this spot a year ago and, and upset number one seed NC State. So that they'll, they'll go into this with the confidence of knowing that they can – compete in this game, if nothing else. Mike Schumann, the Daily Hoosier, my guest out. This IU win last night uh, against a really solid Princeton team who upset Kentucky in the first round. I mean, Indiana led much of the game, but it took some heroics late. This wasn't Indiana hanging on to a lead that was shrinking. Uh, They had to come from behind there at the very end to win. Yeah, I will tell you, I, I've watched all of the top Big Ten teams this year, and, and it, to, to my mind, Princeton could compete at the top of the Big Ten. That was not your your typical mid-major type squad. And, and it's a little bit different in the women's game because, you know, young women coming out of high school have a little bit different decision calculus coming out. You know, they, they, they don't have all the same professional options internationally, and uh, what like the men do so so a team getting stacked at a perennial power like Princeton isn't altogether surprising because of the academic side of it and the opportunities that, that come along with that so um but but to see a mid-major be that good that competitive still you know is a, a little bit surprising just because of what we grow accustomed to on the men's side but but that again that Princeton team was every bit a a high major power um Indiana has taken down a lot of good schools and competed with a lot of good schools this year. And Princeton was right there with everybody else that they played. So, so it'll be good prep for IU. Um, the, the head coach of Princeton, to my understanding, is comes from the UConn program. So I'm sure there's a lot of similarities there that, that, that they will have seen last night that they'll see again this coming weekend. Um, but, but a really tough battle. And to your point, um, you know, Grace Berger, so many times over the last, uh, over, over this season, they, she is the go-to when Indiana needs a bucket at the end of a quarter, at the end of a half, at the end of a game. I couldn't tell you how many times she, she has come through and delivered at, at the buzzer or at a key moment in a, in a game. And so it was no surprise at all to, to see Indiana call her, her number there at that critical juncture, and she came through again. Yeah, she sure did in such a big way. Uh, somebody texted the show yesterday, and I mentioned it and agreed. I had just looked at the roster before the NCAA tournament, uh, the women's tournament began. But for as good as Indiana is and the program that Terry Morin, who is a Southern Indiana native, a, a Seymour native, so she's right here in, in the area really, 
there's not a lot of Indiana players, even Midwestern players on the roster. You've got Grace from Louisville, who has connections to Southern Indiana. You've got Allie Patberg, who was a former Miss Basketball, but she committed to Notre Dame out of high school and then transferred to the Hoosiers, and that's basically it. Kind of amazing that with as good as basketball, even girls, I I know we don't talk about it as much as we do the boys on this show, but I mean, we've had some great girls players come through our state. Uh, There's just not not a lot of uh, Indiana or even Midwestern representation on the IU roster it's amazing where they all come from yeah it is i think carrie morin's placed a pretty heavy emphasis on on looking internationally i think she's still kind of battling also the kind of the historic reputations there's there's been some really high-end uh girls come out of the, the the high school ranks in indiana that have gone to, to more traditional powers here over the last few years that, that they've missed out on so there, there's a lot of different factors involved there. Um, Mackenzie Holmes is probably one of the more interesting ones, and I'll probably try to see if I can uh, develop that story this week. As I understand it, her father was a big Bob Knight fan, even living in Maine, and made his way out to the the Bob Knight camp in some capacity. So that was kind of the original attraction of, of Holmes to Indiana, kind of developing an awareness and I think maybe kind of fostering some appreciation for for Indiana basketball so that there's there's a story and connection to her there but 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 you're right it's not a heavily influenced uh in-state aspect to it at least not to this point all right Mike Schumann the Daily Hoosier Mike we could talk for the entire show about uh, off-season things for the IU men's basketball team and you had a, a great piece up here recently that uh, profiles uh, some very early names to know uh, from the transfer portal. And I said this in the first segment today, every time I open up Twitter, uh, there's somebody else that's announced they're headed to the transfer portal, and it's going to do nothing but pick up more and more and more as we get into April and even May. And who knows, I think we'll – if I had to bet, I'd bet we set a record for transfer portal entries so once again this year but maybe run through a couple of the early names that make sense or possibly could make sense I know it's hard to guess about a lot of this stuff right now because we really don't know who's leaving and what spots will be open IU already needs to juggle some things around uh, to make things work for next year if everything else were to hold in place but w- names to watch here early out of the transfer portal yeah it's going to be a fascinating process here because you know, you got the, the guy we profiled over the weekend, Peyton Sparks out of Ball State, to me kind of epitomizes what you're going to see here in the in the coming weeks because he, he's a guy that was under-recruited out of high school. A lot of people thought that he had a, a really high ceiling and was just going to kind of develop over time. He clearly did that. He was the MAC Conference freshman of the year. But but he's his story is going to be something that you're going to see uh, – a lot of, you know, a freshman who was under-recruited, went the mid-major route and blossomed. How many of those guys are you going to see that feel like, you know, my season justified that I was under-recruited, that I I should have gone to a a high-major program? I think for just about every kid that that has that story, you're going to see them in the portal believing that that they they should go to a – to a high major. And in his case specifically, I think what Indiana has to do, because it was reported today, he, he said that, that Indiana is showing high interest. I think he's a 6'9 kid that you know, doesn't 
score from the perimeter to this point in his career, I think Indiana is going to have to evaluate, you know, can he develop as a perimeter player, kind of as a stretch four, or can he score at 6'9 in the Big Ten, you know, against high major competition? It's going to be such a interesting couple weeks, months here. Because I think teams like Indiana, you know, they've, they've got to, first of all, as you alluded to, they've got to figure out who in their own program is coming and going. So what room do they have? And then you, ha- you have to exercise some level of caution and patience not to jump on the first kid that, that shows up in the portal because you don't know who's going to come after that. Um, you know, I think Indiana's experience in the portal last year, you know, with, with the Miller Cop, Michael Durr type of players, Kind of highlights that point. You got to be careful. Not not that they're bad players. Not that they didn't make positive contributions to the program. But you know, you only have 13 spots. You got to be real careful. You got to be patient. You got to make sure that you that you're finding the right fit to to really address your needs. All right, uh, Mike Schumann, the Daily Hoosier, my guest. Mike, uh, other things like recruiting, but we'll really pick up and we'll be focusing on that more uh, in the off season. I know we've talked a lot this week, even since the season ended uh, last week, about Jalen Hood Shafino and some of the guys coming in with him. So maybe let's pass on Hood Shafino for today, but take us through Banks and uh, CJ Gunn and your thoughts on what they could help do for this program next year? Are they guys like Hood Shafino that could come in and play and get some sort of role right away? Or do you think Gunn and Banks are guys that it'll be a year or so down the line for them? It'll be interesting to watch. I I wouldn't put it past either Banks or Gunn to to carve out a role, but but I'd I'd say the odds are stacked against them just, you know, based on, on where they're ranked, based on what I've seen out of them. They project more as guys that are going to be contributors in year two and beyond. But there's clearly an opening for both of them, both both of who you know showed a propensity, at least at the high school level. It's, it's always a tough leap, but at least at the high school level to, to make three-pointers at a, at a effective rate. I think Gunn was at 37% and Banks might have been you know right around there or even a little bit better. And, you know, they both have good length at gun at six five, banks at six eight. You know, that I think that's something that Indiana really needed this past season was guys in that six five to six eight range who could defend, who could make threes, you know, more versatile modern type players. So I th- I think there are openings there, but it, as everybody knows it, it's a tough leap and you typically don't see guys that are, you know, outside the top twenty five make that jump on year one. So I think in both cases there's the potential, but I wouldn't bank on it. No pun intended with banks there. Yeah, no question. Mike uh, Mike Schumann, the Daily Hoosier, he joins us Tuesdays. And, Mike, we're just getting into this stuff. I know that the off season is not near as fun as the season when you've got games coming up. But, man, with recruiting and now the transfer portal and just Coach Woodson being so early on in his time at IU or back at IU, I guess I should say, I just have a feeling that this is going to be a very meaningful and a very important off season for this program. Yeah, and and you mentioned kind of the the end of the season. I, I expect this month for me personally to probably be the the busiest time because I just think there's going to be so much activity with you know rumors and and roster transition and, and so much going on. And, and for Coach Woodson, I think it's going to be interesting to to see how he handles it all because you know last year. 
you know, although he had, you know, been keeping his eye on the college game, his, his full-time job for, you know, more than 20 years was to be an NBA coach and, and to come into the college game and to really know who he needed to, to fill out his roster, what the skill sets were that he should be looking for at the college game versus what he had been watching for, for his NBA career ha- had to be challenging to, to really be able to address the fit, address who could really, you know, help him win. He, he hadn't even, you know, been through a, a season yet, hadn't been through the Big Ten grind. Um, you know, I, I would think that, that he saw enough of Johnny Davis, Keegan Murray, those kind of guys to think, you know, the, the, those are the kind of guys you need to, to win at the, at the Big Ten level. Now his challenge is going to be to, to go find them either in the portal or in the high school ranks. So it's going to be really fun to, to watch kind of the, the transformation of the staff and, and his own transformation in terms of talent identification and, and how he fills out his roster this time. Yeah, most definitely. All right, Mike Schumann with us Tuesdays. Mike, I look forward to continue to continuing our conversations uh, through the off season as we both agree lots to follow here in the coming months for this IU basketball program and, and really the Big Ten and college hoops as a whole. And uh, we'll talk with you next week. Look forward to it, Matt. Thanks again. All right, we'll head to a commercial break. Need to remind you that the Big X golf cards are ready. You can uh, get the Chariot Run, Old Capital Golf Club, Elk Run, Valley View, and Christmas Lake in Santa Claus, Indiana. You can play these great courses for under $25 a round with the 2022 Big X Sports Radio Golf Card. Now, supplies is limited. These have been on sale for a few weeks already. You can get yours today at BigXSportsRadio.com or call 812-725-1457. Again, play Chariot Run, Old Capital Golf Club, Elk Run, Valley View, and Christmas Lake for under $25 a round with cart included. We'll head to a break. We're back with more IU basketball, and we'll uh, talk the NCAA tournament in the Sweet 16 coming up. Uh, the Big Ten's representation in the Sweet 16 with Mike Pegram of Pigs.com. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back. Final segment here of our Tuesday program. Mike Pegram, Peaks.com is with us. We'll talk more IU basketball here in this segment. And, Mike, I want to start off with a couple Big Ten notes. Uh, new coach at Maryland to be officially introduced with a press conference later tonight, Kevin Willard leaving Seton Hall to Maryland. Uh, I associate him so much with the Pirates program. Is this, a, is this a surprising move to you that he's entering the Big Ten, taking over the Maryland program? Well, it's a slightly better job, you know, moving up to the Big Ten in a program that has won, you know, I guess they've won one, at least one national title at Maryland. And it's a terrific uh, recruiting area. The DMV area produces so many outstanding players. I, I guess I can understand the move and Maryland kind of going for somebody that's, um, 
you know, doesn't have a learning curve. Uh, so that it makes a lot of sense for all parties. I saw a release, I think it was last week, from Northwestern that they are going to stay with Coach Collins for another year. There was some speculation that he may be out uh, there at, uh, at Northwestern. With that said, with Maryland now filled, uh, do you think there's a chance for any additional changes? It seems like maybe the Big Ten has had some pretty active off-seasons the last few years with coaching changes, but I'm not sure this is going to be a big off-season for that. No, really. Uh, no, if, if something was going to happen, it would have already happened, I think, um, in the Big Ten. So uh, other than Maryland, I think that uh, we're going to move forward. All right, talking with Mike Pegram of Peaks.com. Mike, uh, NCAA tournament continues on Thursday, and I, I know you well, so I know uh, that you you don't just watch the IU games. You're a basketball guy through and through. So after four days of wall-to-wall basketball, I know we had some women's tournament games last night and some more tonight, but it's almost kind of a buzzkill to see basketball go away, at least from a from an all-day or all-evening perspective until we get to Thursday. Uh, I want to look ahead at Thursday with you. How's your bracket doing, and are you surprised at the Big Ten's lack of success again this year as far as getting teams further into the tournament? No, I'm not really surprised at the Big Ten. I thought <clears throat> they had some solid teams, but there really wasn't um... – the kind of teams that go far. I mean, I thought Wisconsin would have a little bit better run that they might have caught, you know, the extra rest that they had from losing right away in the big 10 tournament would help. But, um, and, uh, Michigan, I think we all knew had the kind uh, really maybe one of the top two or three in terms of talent. And I think the teams that are left are the most talented Purdue and Michigan. But, uh, you know, I, you know, I have, I think I have Gonzaga winning in all my brackets. So I do have that, going for me, but I've got Tennessee playing him in the final, and that's obviously not going to happen. That's exactly what uh, I had. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it really is. Uh, it was a hard, really hard. Uh, it's always hard to pick, but there really aren't good, really good teams this year. I mean, uh, I got to watch Gonzaga uh, firsthand because I stayed in Portland through the through the rest of the games, and and uh, Drew Timmy was terrific, but um, you know, and they have Nevhard's a good guard, but just I just don't look at teams and think, uh, you know, that's a that's a team that's going to win at all. I just don't see that. Uh, so it's pretty wide open. Um, I think a team to be careful about might be North Carolina as an HC. They're starting to play well and they have the talent. It's going to be uh, a, a team that you don't really expect kind of coming through, I bet. I really don't think – uh, that Michigan will beat Villanova. I think it, it may be a good game, but I do think if I had to do over with again, if you could repick your bracket after the first weekend, I might actually have Villanova winning the whole thing. So I'm not sure Michigan advances beyond this next game, but yeah. I, I really do think Purdue gets to the Elite Eight, and I'm not so sure they don't get to the Final Four. What are your thoughts? Yeah, if ever per- if ever Purdue was going to get to the Final Four, this is the year because they don't have anybody <clears> – <throat> that is a very high seed left to play. I mean, they, they just have a great draw of St. Peter's and, and, uh, you know, North Carolina is definitely a dangerous team, but uh, UCLA has been there before, but uh, you know, Jaime Hasquez hurt his uh, ankle. He's our best player and he might not be anything but 75, 80% uh, for the regional. So this is, this is Purdue's year. Um, you know, they have the most talent that I think I've seen at Purdue, they don't guard as well as some Purdue teams, but uh, the bracket is there for them to go to the Final Four. 
All right, MikePegramPeaks.com is my guest. Mike, uh, we've talked a lot about the IU women. I know you keep a close eye on them. Lots of coverage right now about Grace Berger, who had the big uh, game winner, I think you could call it, last night uh, at the Peaks.com website. Does this women's team have a chance against Connecticut? And if they could win and beat them, maybe North Carolina State, they knocked them out a year ago. Is this IU team capable of playing with that level of ball teams? Yeah, I mean, they have a – they don't have a Purdue men's kind of bracket ahead of them, but uh, they have the ability to be, I think, about any team. Uh, they have a real, such a great mix of veteran guards, and Holmes down inside, McKenzie is really a talented um, in, interior player. Uh, just a very, very experienced team. Um, they're really fun to watch, but I uh, would not expect them to be the favorites in the next game and even if they win to be the favorites against nc state but they're definitely capable of, of winning they, they proved that last year um and i think they had some early season games against some of the top teams in the country to show that they're you know capable of beating anybody all right mike i've got a text for you it says i'm going to the state finals on saturday to watch providence and planning to take in all four games please ask mike if there's any prospects that i should be watching that could be potential iu guys in the future yeah, there's uh, Xavier Booker from Cathedral is playing, and that's a really talented overall team with um, multiple Division One players. But Xavier is their only high major player. He has offers from Indiana, uh, picked up a Michigan offer, really a, several Big Ten offers. He's only a junior and six foot ten, and he's a big reason that Cathedral's come on late. Xavier has been a little bit of an enigma that he doesn't always score a lot of points or play well, but he has found his game late in the season has been a big part of that run and uh chesterton has a really good player that's kind of i think trevor andershock really likes and i can't remember his name but um kind of come out of nowhere but for chesterton to be undefeated you know that's a lot saying a lot yeah for sure mike pegram uh, final question for you i know there's a lot to figure out some of it will sort itself out sooner rather than later as far as the off-season uh topics at iu but Number one area IU needs to improve on, work on, uh, recruit in through the transfer portal for immediate help, whatever the situation is. What's what's that number one area? It's it's got to be shooting, right? Yeah, shooting, and they could use another big, um, and maybe experience big through the portal, but they have to get better at shooting. I mean, they <clears throat> they hardly ever shoot, and they don't make a lot of them on threes. I mean, they they're like. Uh, 321st in the country this year in terms of number of threes that they take versus total field goals. And they only made 33%, which is actually better than last year, but still only around 200 in the nation. So you're Indiana, you got to shoot the freaking basketball and I just don't, <laughs> don't haven't been doing it. And, uh, uh, you know, I think got a little bit better with Parker Stewart and, um, you know, what he did this year, but he kind of faded as the year went on. And uh, they just have to emphasize that part of the game because that's a Mike Woodson. Um, he's had success with shooting teams before, so that's what he's going to recruit to. And it's just so much uh, important in the today's game. And Indiana has been woeful for several years now in that area. All right, I lied. One other quick question before we let you go. Yeah. Uh, somebody's asked me this, and I'm going to pass it along to you. Uh, I know, it's, again, there's going to be so much that happens. So when you think the next season, it's hard to – 
it's hard right now to even think about next season because just because someone's on a roster doesn't mean they're going to be there two or three weeks from now. But early, early, early snapshot of the Big Ten for next year. Who's your who's your front runner? Who's your top Ooh. view? I, I haven't even thought about that myself. <clears throat> you know, uh, well, Michigan has young talent. Um, Michigan State does too with Max Christie and some guys. But, uh, you know, offhand, boy, that's, that's a tough question. I was uh, thinking Michigan State, but I, I, I need to think that through a little bit more to know if I'm even right saying that. Uh, yeah, I immediately thought of the Michigan schools. Um, Ohio State should be better. Um, it, but, again, they could lose Malachi and uh, Liddell, so scratch that maybe. <laughs> it's just uh, it is, uh, is it possible to project these things uh, – at this time, you have to at least give it uh, a month here. Yeah, for sure. Good good advice. Mike Pegram, pigs.com. Mike, as always, thanks. We'll do it again. All right. Talk to you next week. All right. We'll head to, or that's going to wrap up the show for today. Don't forget, you can check us out as a podcast if you missed the live program. And I'll be back with you Wednesday at 11 a.m. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.